Tuning in to the 446th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Eros, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, per the new usual. Going to have a great podcast for you guys. Going to have Eli Weisberger on to talk everything NBA Draft 2022. Now, before we get to Eli, I'm going to get my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically if you use Spotify, have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it's for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nitrain underscore lane. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find that I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, right on the pod, then fret not, worry not. Just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Eli Weisberger on the show. Cut up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Eli Weisberger with us to talk about the 2022 NBA Draft. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So you have a little mock draft for us. So just let's start at number one. So who do you have going at number one? saying this is a mock draft of the first 14 picks it's not a big board so this is not like in order who i think is are the best 14 from 1 to 14 this is how i think the draft is going to go based on who the team's like so at number one uh all the reports are suggesting that the magic like jabari smith at number one so i have jabari smith at number one right now how would you like his fit in orlando I mean, it, it, it's a good fit. Like, he's a good fit anywhere is the thing. But I also don't think he's the he's the best prospect. I don't I don't think he has the most upside of the prospects. I think he's a really good shooter, and he's a really good defender. But he hasn't shown anything in terms of, you know, playmaking or ball handling and not much shot creation. So, I mean, I, it looks like he's going to be pick number one. But he's not my number one prospect. So what would be the incentive then for Orlando to take him over a guy like Chet or, uh, you know, one of those uh, guys? I just think they're, that's what their, their scouting department likes him the most. I don't, 
agree with them, but I think that's what it is. So at number two, we have Oklahoma City. Who do you have Oklahoma City getting? So I have OKC getting the best player available in Chet Holmgren. And I think that's what they need. They need they need bigs. And he's got, I think he has more upside than Jabari Smith for sure. Um, so I think the fit is good. And I think the upside is also really good. So Thunder, Chet Holmgren. Do, would you have a player comp for a guy like Chet? Uh, it's really tough um, for a player comp. Or like best case scenario in this league, what does he look like? Best case scenario. Uh, like Rudy Gobert with perimeter skills. Or maybe like Amar Day, Pau Gasol. Something like that. So top 10 player, but borderline top 10 player. Like all NBA guy, all star. Right, I... I don't think, I don't think um, top ten. I think he, I don't think he'll ever be good enough to be the number one option on a championship team. At, like at his ceiling, but I do think at his ceiling, he's a darn good number two option on a championship team. So a top fifteen, be fair. Yeah, top twenty, top fifteen range for sure. And you want to know about Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has one of, like, the draft departments would say impressed. I feel like you have to trust the most based off of their tra- track record. Like, you're talking, like, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, Steven Adams, Reggie Jackson. Trey Mann looks really good in his rookie year as well. Yeah. I think that was a really good pick. So did Josh Giddy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they just do such a good job. So when, like, you say, like, they're linked to Chet, like, it's talking about Chet has so much potential, it just, like, buffers that. Because there's other teams, like, when the Kings like somebody, it's like, oh, right, like, uh, the Kings like him, maybe I shouldn't like him. Right? Like, there are teams like that. They're like, <laughs> like, if the Kings like him, maybe, maybe I should. Where I'm going with is number four. Yeah, but and then there are like the really smart teams where you're like, okay, the Heat like somebody, the Spurs like somebody, Oklahoma City like somebody, Golden State like somebody. You're like, oh, maybe I should look more into it. Right. Well, why do you think Oklahoma City does such a good job of like finding some of these guys? Um, obviously they've got a great scouting department, and I think they have a really good analytics department. Like Sam Presti is, we know is very big into the analytics and I think that has played a big role in the draft in their drafting how far away is Oklahoma City being from building like a really sneaky good young team uh, I think it's really just up to them I think they could be a sneaky good young team as soon as they want to be but I still think they want to rebuild this even longer yeah, and Sam Presti, they're giving him time. Sam Presti's like, I'm just yeah. sitting back, just chilling. Yeah, they're, they're taking their sweet time, for sure. So next we have the Houston Rockets. Who do you have going to Houston? All right, so Houston, I have taken Paolo Bancaro. Um, in my opinion, he also has more upside than Jabari Smith. I think um, he's a better prospect than Jabari Smith. He's got... 
he's got great playmaking skills for a big, great ball handling skills for a big. He's got some shot creation as well. Um, the questions about him are like his defense and his defensive motor. Like sometimes he gets like lazy off the ball or and stuff like that, and he just like chooses when he wants to play defense. But you know, I think that's kind of normal for a 19 year old. I mean, or not, I wouldn't say normal, but it's not out of the ordinary for a 19-year-old to be like that. So I, I think he's going to be good on defense as well. So I think um, I have him going to the Rockets at three, and uh, I think they're going to be very happy. What would you say your ceiling is for him? How good do you think he can be? Are we talking all-star with him? Yeah, for sure, definitely. All the, uh, uh, for, for sure, all these guys... These three guys could be all-stars. Would you say he's a guy who can be a two or a three on a championship team? Because if Chet's your number one, you're saying he's a two. Is Paolo fitting in that uh, number two th- tier, or do you think he's more of a three? I don't think uh, any of the guys uh, in this draft are uh, going to be number ones on a championship team. So I, I think at his ceiling, he's a number two as well. Uh, same with uh, Chet Holmgren. So at number four, we have the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> Who do you have? So Who gets the kiss of death? I mean, it looks like they're going to go with Keegan Murray. So I have Keegan Murray, and I highly disagree with this pick. I don't think uh, Keegan Murray has uh, a high ceiling at all. I think he has a very high floor, but I think his ceiling is very low. And I don't think he's even as close to as good of a prospect as Jaden Ivey. But all the reports are Jaden Ivey didn't even do a workout for the Kings. And they haven't been in contact uh, with each other at all. So I would be very surprised at this point if they picked Ivey. It looks like they're going to go with Keegan Murray at four. Now, I think it sounds like you think they should take Jaden Ivey. But isn't the whole thing with Ivey is, I mean, he's a guard. So I mean, they already have De'Aaron Fox and they have Mitchell. Uh, and they traded Tyrese Halliburton uh, away because, you know, I think they wanted to clear more space for their guards. So if they have another guard, doesn't that kind of go back to the same issue that they were having before? Well, I also think they made a mistake by trading Halliburton. I agree with that. And, and also, I think they should take Ivy and trade Fox because Ivy's a better prospect. Does Ivy fit into the category of he can be the number two on a championship team? Oh, for sure. Ivy's got a ton of upside. Way more upside than Keegan Murray, in my opinion. Why do you think the Sacramento Kings have decided just to stay with Darren Fox? I think they don't like his trade value. around. I think think they really, really did, at the deadline, tried to trade Fox, but teams just like Talibert more. So at number five, we have the Detroit Pistons. Who you got at number I have, I have the Pistons taking Ivy, and I think they're going to be jumping for joy with Ivy. Because I think Ivy, paired with Cade, I think Ivy can play on the ball, and I think Ivy can play off the ball. Uh, he's an explosive athlete. He's got a ton of potential with his shoot, with his shot as well. He's easily the fastest player in this draft. He can outrun just about anybody as soon as he gets into onto the court. Um, and yeah, 
uh, he falls right to the Pistons, and I think they take him. How scary can a combination of those two guys in the backcourt be? I think it could be really, really scary, honestly. I think the uh, Pistons rebuild will be going very well, in my opinion, if they are able to snag Ivy. So next we have the Indiana Pacers. All right, and at six with the Pacers, I have them taking Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. And uh, I think Matherin has, even though he's young, I, I still think he has one of the highest floors in the draft. I think his floor is a 3 and D win, which is uh, very, very valuable, as everyone knows, in today's league. And he's got a, a, a ton of athleticism, so he, there's upside for even more there. So I have them taking Ben Matherin, and he's a fine fit in Indy as well. They need more wings. So at number seven, you have Portland. I'm interested to see what Portland does because they're a team that I don't think they're necessarily trying to rebuild or they should be. I mean, you have Damian Lillard, and I think they want to keep him. Um, they want to be successful, and hopefully I guess the goal there is to end up being a championship team. So what does Portland do with the number seven pick? Uh, I have them taking Jalen Duran, actually, uh, with the number seven pick. Uh, I think Nurkic is going to be on his way out soon and I think they're going to need a replacement with Dur- at center with Duran and uh, he's another guy who's young but I think has a high pretty high floor I think he's, I think he's almost a lock to be, eventually become a top 10 center in the NBA I don't think he has the highest ceiling because he doesn't have a shot but he's really athletic he's got a high motor uh, and he can protect the rim and he can dunk uh, in the, uh, on alley-oops. He's a good lob threat. So I think the Blazers are going to go with Jalen Duran actually, at seven. How much of Nurkic's production do you think he can replicate? Um, I think he has the potential to be a more valuable player than Nurkic, actually. Because Nurkic is more of an offensive-minded um, center, and... I think Duran will be way better than him on defense and uh, serviceable enough on offense. And obviously, uh, defense is more important at the center position than offense, unless you're like Jokic level good. Is Damian Lillard long for Portland? You think Damian Lillard's going to stay in Portland? Uh, it, I think he is, honestly. I don't. I don't think he. I think he really wants to stay and win there. Even though I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's. I think he's kind of foolish, but I do think uh, he's going to stay. I, I believe him when he said he wants to stay. So at number eight, we have New Orleans. Who do you got going there? So I have been taking the Aussie and uh, Dyson Daniels from the G League Ignite team. Because they need a guard. He's a guard. Um, he's shown playmaking flashes. He's tall. He's got good size. Got good athleticism. Uh, and he can defend really well. He's got a good wingspan. The question about Dyson Daniels is his shot. There's a lot of question marks about uh, how he can be as a shooter. But 
they need playmaking and they need defense, and I think they go there that route with Desmond Daniels. You think Zion's ever going to play for the Pelicans? <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be back this year. I, th- I think you're going to get a resurgence from Zion this year. Would you bet your life on it? How confident? I bet my life on it. No. <laughs> so you're not that confident? <laughs> no, 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 no. Would I, would I bet my life on Zion playing like the whole year? No. Would I bet my life on Zion playing for the Pelicans again? Yes. Yeah. That's very fair. That's very fair. I, I'm just wondering because Zion's been a wall for a little bit too. <laughs> it's like we're missing yeah. you, Zion. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I don't trust him to stay healthy, uh, but I do trust he's going to play for sure. So at number nine, we have San Antonio. All right. So at number nine, I have the Spurs selecting Shaden Sharp, technically out of Kentucky, even though he never played there. Uh, he's a like six five wing with shot creation potential. Uh, which is exactly what the Spurs need. The Spurs are looking for shot creation, I think. Um, that's my educated guess, and I think that's why they're going to go Shane and Sharp here. And uh, and another thing about Sharp is we don't know like a lot about him because he didn't play at college and he didn't play anywhere else this year. But based on his high school stuff, his measurements... Um, he looks like he could potentially be one of the best players in this draft. There's just too many unknowns about him because he took a year off that for him to be drafted uh, like higher than you know five. How do the Spurs get out of like this NBA purgatory they seem to be in? Oh, first of all, I think they need to. I think they need to tank more. So they can get a really, a real top pick and not just be at the lower end of the lottery every year, selecting guys with less upside. They need to get some, get some better prospects, but I think they should honestly start a tank. Is Greg Popovich going to go for that one? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think Pop is long for the team. I I think he's going to retire soon. Wasn't he supposed to retire like a few years ago? And Pop just like, I have no idea with him anymore. You never know what you're going to get with Pop. It's all, I feel like it's stunning the organization's growth at this point. Yeah, that's it's possible. I, I think they need to... Uh, I do think they need to tank because there's no other way to get stars for them. They're not going to get them in free agency. Yeah, NBA players aren't necessarily drawn to the river walk. Unless you're LaMarcus Aldridge, (laughs) apparently. Uh, Next, we have Washington. What do you see them doing? All right, so number 10 with the Wizards, I have them taking Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Uh, The comparison everybody's been giving with Sohan is Draymond Green, and I definitely see that comparison, like, He's like one of the most versatile defenders in this draft, if not the most versatile defender in the draft. And he's definitely shown some passing ability, not as much as Draymond or like Scotty Barnes in terms of ball handling. But yeah, he's, he's got some passing skills. 
Uh, he can't really shoot right now is the problem. But the Wizards need defense. They need playmaking. And I think they go with Sohan here at 10. Is Bradley Beal going to stay in Washington? Yeah, he is. At least for this year, he is. Maybe if uh, the Wizards stay, you know, as a non-contender, like out of the play-in, out of the playoffs, he'll ask out, but he's going to stay with Washington this year. I'm really confident in that. Why are you so confident that he's going to want to stay in Washington? Um, just like that's what he's been saying. I don't think, And I don't think he's lying. So at number 11, we have New York. What do you see the Knicks doing? At 11, I have them taking Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. My comp for him would be like Chris Middleton or Devin Booker. Uh, He's a wing with shot creation and defense. And I actually think he's underrated in this draft. Like, if I was doing a big board, I would probably have him in my top 10 on my big board. Who I th- and I think the Knicks could possibly get a steal here uh, at 11 with Johnny Davis. I think he has star potential. So when you mentioned Johnny Davis, you gave a comparison of Chris Middleton and Devin Booker. That sounds like top three pick territory, right? So why is he a right. guy that's at 11? Because when you say Chris Middleton or Devin Booker, I mean, Devin Booker is what, a top 12-ish player? Chris Middleton's a top 25? Like, those are guys. Those are all NBA guys. Yeah. I think a lot of people are concerned with uh, his shot and how it'll translate to the league. I don't have the same concerns, which is why um, I am higher on him than most. Why don't you personally have concerns about his shot translating? I don't know. I, I, it just looks... It, his form it looks really good. Like I, I think he's got a really smooth jumper. And maybe the stats um, aren't in his favor that way, but uh, it's not all about stats. Uh, it's also about you know form and film, and I think he has the right form to develop a really uh, lethal jumper. So at number 12, we have Oklahoma City. What do you see Sam Presti doing with the second pick? Uh, I have... I have the Thunder taking A.J. Griffin out of Duke at 12. Another 3-and-D player. Kind of a Jimmy Butler type. Like, his ceiling would be Jimmy Butler with a three-point shot. With let Not as good defense, um, but kind of that style of player. And, and the reason he's lower on everybody's mock draft is because he's got a lot of injuries a lot of injury concerns. He's uh, so that's why he would slide this far. And number thirteen, what do you see Michael Jordan and company doing? They need a center. They need rim protection. They're getting it here with Mark Williams out of Duke. He's like seven foot two. I'm sure everybody who watched Mark Madness knows who Mark Williams is because he was one of their most valuable players during that Final Four run. Uh, he would, I think he would make an instant impact as a rim protecting big and a lob threat. And I think he would be their center of the future. And at number 14? Number 14, I have the Cavs making up for 
what looks like a bad pick in Isaac Okoro, and they get Oshai Abaji out of Kansas, who is the most outstanding player in the, in the tournament this year. Uh, they need 3 and D. They were hoping they would get it from Okoro. It doesn't look like that's going to pan out, and they would get it right away here with Oshai Abaji. How quickly do you think a team can know whether if a player pans out or not? Because they're all young, so at what point are you kind of like, yeah, this just uh, I think it's I think it's a case-by-case basis. Honestly, you definitely have to factor age, but you also have to factor, like, how much they've flashed. Like, a player like, um, I don't know, Anthony Edwards in his first year, you could tell, I mean, his efficiency was really bad, but you could tell from watching that he had the potential. Um... And he's already been really good. Same with, you know, LaMelo Ball. And, and then I'll use Aaron Neesmith on the Celtics for an, as an example, where he hasn't really shown anything that would indicate in two years, that would indicate uh, that he is going to pan out. So, I don't know. Like, I think that's your answer right there. And do you have a pick for uh, number 15? I do not. Okay, so just 1 through 14. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NBA draft. Kind of next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Eli Weisberger with us. So, how do you think this draft class compares to last year's in terms of the top-end talent? Um, I think the top-end talent of this year's draft class is worse than the top-end talent of last year's. I also think the depth of this draft is worse than last year's draft. Uh, so, I think this draft is worse in, in, in every way than last year's draft. I mean, it's not a terrible... I wouldn't say it's like, oh, this is a terrible draft class, but it's not even close to as good as last year's. Now, what about the year before the LaMelo, uh, Anthony Edwards year? Because that was one that was considered fairly weak, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Do you think this class is better than that one, or no? Um, I think... I have to, let me take a look. Yeah, I think probably uh, this class is better than that one. If you uh, I'm just taking a look, yeah, the, the last twenty twenty wasn't wasn't great. It, the the depth of the draft isn't isn't good either. Yeah, I, I'd probably say this year is better than twenty twenty. Who would you say was from last year? Who was a guy that like impressed you the most? As a rookie, yes, this year, yes. probably Scotty Barnes. Were you Scottie high on Barnes? Impressed me the most. Were you no, high I on? Actually, I, I actually wasn't as high on Scotty Barnes uh, as the Raptors were, and I was proven wrong for sure. I didn't think Scotty would be able to have the the level of ball handling 
that he had that he showcased this year. Um, the shot still has to come along, but it looks like, by all counts, he's going to be a star for the Raptors. And maybe they get to do again, like Masai Ujiri. Smart teams, right. I guess. <laughs> right, like maybe. Right. When they made that pick, when the Raptors made that pick, I had a feeling like that Barnes was going to be good because I have that much faith in Ujiri. It's like if he goes to the Kings again, you're like, or the Magic, you're like, eh, maybe. Right. Exactly. Like, the Magic and the Kings, I don't really have as much faith in. So, who's a player from that class who would you say really disappointed you that you had high hopes for and you're just like, man, nowhere near as good as I thought he would be? Um, so far, I'd say Jalen Suggs for sure. He turns it over a lot. Uh, his efficiency was bad, and he had um, plenty of injuries too. So definitely uh, Jalen Suggs. Now they have a few guards because they have him, they have that Joseph kid, and they have Markel Fultz. So how does all that work? Joseph, who you mean, Joseph? Uh, I'm forgetting the guy. Or is it Anthony? He was the guard who was like he had a couple thirty point games at the beginning of the year. Oh yeah, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony. Why did I say Joseph? Yeah. Yeah. Right. They have uh, Suggs. They have Fultz. They have Cole Anthony. They have plenty of guards. They have RJ Hampton, too. Um, I think, I'm going to tell you this, not all of those guys are going to pan out between Anthony, uh, Suggs, and Fultz. I'd be... I'd say maybe one of them is going to end up being really good. Maybe. Probably not Fultz. Between Anthony and and Suggs. And who was a guy that, like, was a steal from last year's class that you're kind of like, okay, he was a guy that maybe wasn't lottery, maybe second-round pick? that you could think of that was like, okay, like he ended up being like a nice little contributor. Um, I have to think about that one. I think, uh, not, not in the second round, but I guess in the second round, yeah, Io Jasunmu on the Bolts. He definitely surprised me. Uh, Herb Jones, who was picked in the second round, I was already high on, so he wasn't really surprised. That wasn't surprising to me, but... I would assume it looks like he's going to be a really decent player for the Bulls. Do you think the second round is just a crapshoot a lot of the time? Yeah, I, I think so. Yes and no. I think I think uh, at the end of the day, scouting does matter. So, like, if we're doing this, like, your number one pick, ideally, the number one pick should be, like, a top ten player, right? Is that fair to say? Like, that should be what you're looking for? Top five, all-star. Like, the number one pick in the draft should be, like, an all-star. I mean, a top five player, top ten player. Like, ideally. Not not top, I wouldn't say top five, top ten, because, like, that's, that's uh, hard, really hard to get. But you definitely want them to be an all-star. Okay, I'll pick, picking them number one or number three, between one and three. You want them to be an all-star. So then what would you say the range of what you expect from just regular lottery? So then four through 14. 
Ooh, like solid starter. Okay. You want them to be good enough to be a starting player on your team, and it's and it it, it never happens that picks one through fourteen they're all good. Never happens. Correct. I'm just saying, ideally, what you would yeah. want. So that ideally, you want them to at least be a, a starter. I'd say. So then, fourteen through thirty-two. How does that work? Or fourteen through thirty. Well, I'd say still maybe you want them to be a, a starter, like hopefully, also or a role player. And then the second round, it's just you know, get you're what you. Hoping to, you're just hoping to hit there. Uh, for on a role player, or even maybe a, uh, cross your fingers for a starter, like like Herb Jones or Draymond Green. Yeah, then you get really lucky. And you get a guy yeah. who's a Hall of Famer in Draymond Green, or <laughs> yeah. you get freaking Jokic in the second round. And you're like, wow. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, more like uh, just hoping you hit in the second round a role player. So, who in this specific draft class would you say, you know what, he's probably going to bust? Who would be that guy? Ooh. I think... Because um, realistically, there's going to be a few busts here. <laughs> I think Usman Jang from New Zealand. Uh, he's got a lot of upside, but he's a project and... More often than not, projects don't work out. So I think Usman Jiang is going to bust. And who's one of your guys that you're like, he for sure is going to pop? Like, if he isn't good, like, I would just be, like, floored. Benedict Matherin. I think he's for sure going to be good. Also, I want to say, like, again about Keegan Murray. I'm really confident Keegan Murray will be a really solid player for years and years. Um, but I don't think he has the upside to be an all-star. Maybe like maybe he'll make like one all-star team in, in, his, in his career. But I, I'm really confident he's going to be a good player. I'm pretty confident he's not going to be a great player. So you see like Wiggins? Yeah, kind of. Like Wiggins, for sure. Which team do you think has the most to gain this draft in terms of if they get the right piece, they could be potentially competing for a play-in, 8th seed, 7th seed? Ooh, most to gain. I think either the uh, Pistons or the Thunder. I think have the most to gain. If if the Pistons get Ivy, I think it's them. But Thunder are not far behind uh, either. With getting Holmgren, and like that's a core of Josh Giddy, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, Chet Holmgren, Trey Mann. Like that's looking pretty good too. Yeah, that's insane. Go Oklahoma City's just accumulated so many good. Young players, I forgot about Lou Dort. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Forget about him because they sit everybody midway through the season. How do they get away? That is crazy. I have a question though. So, do you think a guy like Shea Gillis Alexander is ever going to get tired though of all this thinking? Because I eventually, it's cool yes, you're doing. I do. They 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 can't afford to be tanking 
for too much longer. Maybe one more year. But eventually, SGA is going to be like, okay, I want to start winning now, please. Yeah. Because, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, he was on the Clippers his rookie year, right? Yeah, he was. He's part of the Paul George trade. Yeah, so if you go from, like, you're in the playoffs, like, he's with Patrick Beverly, Luke Williams, like, he's with guys who are, like, you know, we expect to make the playoffs. Just a different type of feel altogether. He's he in play- the playoffs his first year with the Thunder and Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah, and that, too. And Chris Paul, yeah. a guy that you're bringing that, and he goes from that that's, like, you're not really playing, we're not trying to win. Like, that can be a shock, particularly for a young guy, and you come in and that's what you know. Like, competitive, we're going to be in the playoffs, we're going to fight, right? Like, completely different. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a fair point, for sure. Uh, I think they can afford one more year of tanking before they really start trying to make the playoffs. Not win the championship, but make the playoffs. So how high are you on, who are you most high on between Mobley, Cunningham, and Barnes? Because it seems like that would be like the top three, right? Yeah, no, I, I, and, and you got to throw Jalen Green in there as well. And Jalen yeah, uh-huh. Green. Uh, but I'd say still Cade. I'm still the highest on Cade. I don't, I'm still not that confident in, um, you know, Mobley's shot. So I, I'm not going to say Mobley. Uh, same with Barnes. I think Cade is uh, an amazing playmaker already. I think he reads the game so well already at such a young age. Uh, I think he's good at finishing and finishing through contact already, which is rare um, for someone that young. And I think he's a good shooter too. And he's long enough where he can definitely hold his own on the perimeter on defense. How crazy is it, though, that, like, Suggs is, like, the forgotten man? Because Suggs was, like, people were talking about Suggs in that tier with those guys. Right, because I think people um, were enamored with how Suggs was in the tournament. If you remember, he hit that buzzer beater against Against Michigan. No, no, yeah. Oh, Michigan. No, no, UCLA. You're right. Final Four, UCLA. Against UCLA in the Final Four. So, I think a lot of people had, you know, March Madness fever surrounding Jalen Suggs, including me. I thought he would be a lot better than he looked in year one. I also remember people were talking about, like, uh, like, he's a football player and he's really tough, and I'm like... And people are always really hyping up his leadership. And my always my, my thing is for any sport, when the first thing you talk about somebody and you're like, he's a good leader, that kind of makes me think he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you're not talking about his game and you're only talking about like his intangibles. Yeah, like intangibles yeah. are nice. Like it's like if you tell yeah. me like give me a standard report and you tell me like great jumper super athletic, all these other things. And then lastly, great intangibles, I'm sold. But the first thing you have to start when you talk about somebody, you're like, he's great in the locker room. I'm like, this guy must suck. Like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I, I don't want to hear leadership and intangibles in the first line. That's the conclusion. That can be in the conclusion. Not in the uh, intro. I think sucks. Still has the potential to be good. I'm obviously not writing him off after one year, especially where he had injuries um, and was on a terrible, terrible team. So 
I think uh, I want to see another year of him before I'm ready to make any you know snap judgments. But uh, it, it, I will say the first year did not look that good. And then Josh Giddy too. Josh Giddy looked great uh, in his time, uh, where they actually let him play. How good do you, you know, think? He it, he passed, he could score a little bit. I mean, there's still questions about his shot, but he can defend because he's long and he's tall. Um, and he can definitely make plays, no doubt about that. How good do you think he can be? I think he can be really, really good. Uh, do you think he could be in the caliber as those other guys we mentioned? Sure. Uh, I don't think it's as likely, though, because uh, he's never had a good jump shot. Um, but I think he could definitely be like a tall Ricky Rubio. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's tantalizing. Right. It is. Ricky Rubio with defense and a little more athleticism and height. And where was he? What He was picked number seven, right? I think so. Yeah, uh, Minnesota picked him. And how about uh, Franz Wagner? Number five. Number five? Okay, number yeah. five. And how about Franz Wagner? Uh, I think <laughs> I think Franz Wagner is very good. I think he's really underrated and wasn't talked about enough. He definitely was a better rookie than Jalen Suggs was. That shocked you then, right? <laughs> uh, I knew Franz Wagner was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be the better rookie on the team. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to read Eli some old scouting reports of some players and I'm going to see what he thinks. Kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Eli Weisberger with us. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to... Because I thought this would be interesting, right? Uh, a lot of players who end up making All-NBAs, MVPs, All-Stars, Hall of Famers. It's just always interesting to go look back and see what were people saying about them Uh before they, uh, when, when they were going through the draft process, right? So first, I want to start with uh, Nikolai Jokic, who was a back-to-back right, two-time go. MVP. So his okay. player comparison. Uh, you want to guess what his player comparison was? Oh, man. I'm not going to be able to get this. Uh, yeah. Boris Diaw. Okay. Which is, you know, it's interesting. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. So, this is what it said, long-term projection. He's an unathletic player. I don't know if he can survive in the NBA or even play a prominent role. If Jokic can deliver accurate shooting and make the right plays with the ball in his hands, he could be a poor man's Diaw. <laughs> oh, he's so clo- he was so close, though. <laughs> yeah, he was. He just so barely funny. missed it. 
Yeah. He was close. Yeah, and and then he, and then he says, yeah. Jokic would be the fourth or fifth scoring option on a good team. Uh, oh, when he's in the I, game. I mean, to be fair, everyone was probably thinking that, and yeah. that's why he felt where he yeah. felt. Yes. No. No. It is interesting because you're thinking like I, I see the Boris Diaw, but we're talking like. Boris Diaw, but like also when Boris Diaw is like six seven, like Jokic is like seven foot one. <laughs> if you're talking, nobody saw the playmaking of Jokic coming. Nobody saw. That. Correct. I mean, he's a point guard out there. Right, he is. He's like the best pat playmaking big man ever. No one's better than that. Actually, here's a question for you: What do you think Jokic ranks in terms of just passers and people who can have shot create ball creation? Uh, in offense, in terms of with guards, right? Like, where does he rank among guards? Guards right now? Yes. I think think him and and Luca and Steph are the best playmakers in the league. That's high praise. Yeah. That's very high praise. So here they had his strengths. And it was pretty good here. Uh, High basketball IQ, uh, Great work ethic. You know I hate that when I see that in the first line. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, I you hate that. <laughs> uh, then, then they say again, can really shoot the ball. Then they go back to hard work. And I'm like, man, this guy must really suck. <laughs> uh, he was first uh, produced, uh, exposed to professional training in 2013. Big wingspan. And they're getting to some other stuff. A self-starter doesn't need to... Won't be consistently pushed around, well liked by teammates, outgoing. And then they did say something else that was interesting. Uh, notes impressed at the 2014 Nike Hoop Camp. When he was in his home country, he consistently played against people who were older. Which maybe that's something people were missing too, right? When you're yeah. younger and then you're. Yes. He played against, he was playing against a lot of older guys. He was the youngest person consistently. So I think that is something maybe that people missed out on too when you look at it, like right, like similar to like Luca. Like I don't think he was playing on the level Luca was, but it's like when you're able to play effectively against guys who are like grown and you're just a kid, like that does show a little bit of your projection. Uh, it's very helpful. It's very helpful uh, to translate to uh, from that to the NBA. Yeah, Jokic was... Was Jokic even on your radar coming out? No. No. Definitely not. And then as soon as you saw Jokic, you're like, man. So, here is Steph Curry. His NBA comparison was Muhammad Abdul uh, Rauf. Oh, I was very... Uh, I, I was just a kid when he was... I was only nine years old when he was drafted. So I didn't know much, but I I did really love Steph Curry though, like when I was that young. Super exciting, super fun. The Davidson run. Yes, exactly. The Dav- I remember him at Davidson. <laughs> so here's what they're saying about Steph. Curry. Let's go to the weaknesses. Uh, far below NBA standard in regards to explosiveness and athleticism. He's extremely small uh, for a shooting guard, which you will probably have to play. Uh, although he's playing point guard in college, he's not a natural point guard at the NBA. He's probably going to have to play shooting guard. Struggles defensively getting around screens. Can overshoot and rush into shots from time to time. Hasn't had to deal with getting benched due to poor performances in his shooting, 
which has allowed him to shoot through any slumps. We'll have to adjust to not being a volume scorer, which could have an effect on his effectiveness and efficiency. Doesn't like when defenses are physical with him. Not a great finisher. Uh, no great physical attributes. Makes silly mistakes for a point guard. Needs to add muscle to his upper body. Way too skinny. More of a two guard than a point guard. Probably will never develop into a point guard. Alright. Now, I will say, to be fair with this, back then, Steph is a shooting guard. Now, in the era of positionless basketball, it doesn't really matter where you put him, if you know what I mean. I completely agree. And I think also what people are missing, right, is I think when people are looking at his shooting, they're thinking of him that he's just going to be a spot-up guy. I don't think, and obviously, right, Like, an elite trait, an elite skill like shooting, you don't think it's going to become the greatest ever, nor should you, like, plan for that, right? He's going to be the greatest ever at doing this. But I don't think they realize that, okay, this is a guy that could realistically ever shoot, like, 10 threes and still maintain, like, 40% efficiency. Right, and also, he he is great off the ball. Uh, he, He doesn't even need to be a ball dominant player to impact the game and be great. So now we're getting going to go to Jimmy Butler. Oh, here we go. So, well-rounded forward. Oh, this is strengths. Great quality for a future role player. Solid athlete. Extremely active on both ends of the court. Solid pull-up jump shot. Aggressive when looking for contact. Can oh, that's true. Smart kid with a good head on his shoulder, strong worth ethic. Now that was at the end, so I'm so I'm sold now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sold. That was at the end. <laughs> Use his strength and body control to get to the rim. Uh, weaknesses: good all around player, but lacks any one great skill. Fits the jack of all trades, master of none mold. Not a standout athlete. Hasn't proven he can consistently create offense for himself. Not an isolation player. Feeds off the play of his teammates. Could really open up his game by adding range to his jump shot. Hasn't shown that he can be consistent, uh, be a consistent threat from behind the arc. Likely, Wesley Matthews. I actually think uh, that was... He got a lot of it, of it right there. Uh, you know, like searching through contact, efficient through contact... What he didn't get right is that he wouldn't be a good isolation scorer or a shot creator. But he did get, like, you know, he's a good jump shooter, but not a good three-point shooter. He got that right. He got the finishing through and searching through contact. He got that right. Um, He didn't praise his defense enough, obviously. But that wasn't even that, that wasn't that bad, honestly. And, you know, it also has me thinking, too, like, sometimes maybe you should focus on what players can't do and focus more on what they can do right because everybody has a weakness right i mean that's just like no player like michael jordan lebron everybody has a weakness or something they're not good at like everybody always talks about lebron and free throw shooting but it's like what can they do and how well can they do those things right and i think when once you start looking at that i think maybe that would help us like identify some of these players a little bit better so yep now we have, let's go to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, 
Kawhi Leonard's comparison was Luke Richard Ma Butte or Gerald Wallace. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. they were comparing for Kawhi. So his weaknesses. Does not have one aspect offensively that stands out, which allows him to consistently score the ball. Will certainly be a perimeter player at the next level, but lacks the polish and skill necessarily to create and operate on the wing. Does not have the ability to break down anybody off the dribble. And he's especially shaky handling the ball with his left hand. His jump shot, while improved, is still very inconsistent. His release comes high. Not very disciplined defensively. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That didn't age well. (laughs) Neither did the the not being able to create or break that guy's down. He struggles when finishing when contested, too. He gambles too far and leaves his team in susceptible positions, giving up easy baskets. The, the, the one that really got me was not very disciplined defensively. You're talking about one of the like five greatest swing defenders of the last like 30 years. <laughs> uh, that's, that one yeah. is funny. That one is funny. So so how, how would you give this one? Uh, this is a one out of ten. This is a one out of ten. Now, if there's one thing I can do to give this guy any redeemable quality, Kawhi Leonard, what Kawhi Leonard was when he first came in the league is not what he would become. But but I would still say, right, like Kawhi Leonard came in the league and he was a very good uh, wing defender. Now, that's how he got his time with the San Antonio Spurs. So even if you're going to like give him credit for all the scoring stuff and saying offensively what he wasn't doing, defensively, that's the only reason he was on the court. And he was on the court defensively for a very good San Antonio Spurs team that was going to NBA Finals and going to Western Conference. So he was playing very high-level basketball at a you know young age in this league. So that's the one thing I would say. But but I would say what Kawhi Leonard ended up becoming is not... What Kawhi, what Kawhi Leonard is right now is not what he was when he first came to the league. Yeah, and I will say that um, he probably never would have became what he did become if he uh, went to any other team. That's fair. So now we have Clay Thompson. So his NBA comparison was Marco Bellinelli. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he lies about. He lies like okay. Uh, an average athlete who plays below the rim, and that uh, he he shows solid athleticism when he has momentum. Plays below the rim. He just said he plays below the rim. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's an average athlete who plays below the rim. Much better in the half court than in the open floor. His lack of athleticism gets exposed in the transition game. Lacks great foot speed, which inhibits his ability to take the ball off the, take the ball off the dribble against quick defenders. Received the one game suspension due to marijuana position. Oh, this is the other thing. Uh, but scouts don't seem too concerned about that. Therefore, it hasn't affected his stock. <laughs> Long athletic defenders give him trouble. 
being a shot creator, he's just like one of the best shooters ever with a great release and great at moving around off the ball. He never needed to you he never needed to be a great athlete. Though I do think we're underestimating his athletic his athletic ability defensively. He's pretty athletic, but he never needed he isn't a great athlete, but he never needed to be. That's fair. I would actually I would actually completely agree with that one. Not every not every player needs to be a crazy athlete. Like look at Chris Paul. Look at Steph Curry. You don't have to be a crazy athlete. His also his other NBA comparison was Rudy Fernandez. <laughs> uh, and Rudy Fernandez was a, a crazy athlete. He was in a dunk contest. So how can he be comparing someone to someone so athletic but saying he's not an athlete? I don't get that. Yeah, that's the contradiction there. Yeah. But then again, with Clay, you'll never expect he'll be one of the greatest shooters ever, right? Like that's. Right, but that also he also contradicted himself with a Rudy Fernandez comparison. So now we have, and also I want to say one more thing before we get to the other guy. In terms of Clay, too, it sounds like what they were also docking him on was the marijuana possession. So they were saying his character, and I guess that shows how much society's evolved. Because now, like, if somebody has a marijuana possession, it's like okay, like, oh, um. yeah. <laughs> and, but it is crazy. Like ten years ago, like people were like, oh my god, like the guy smoked. Like KD blatantly talking about like he's high all the time. <laughs> Yeah. That's probably how he's able to deal with Kyrie. You self medicate. Right. <laughs> it's probably the only thing that keeps him calm. Yeah. So now we have Draymond Green. His oh. in, his comparison was Luke Herringody, Jared Dudley. Oh. <laughs> I don't think Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley was a shooter. I know. <laughs> so let's go to his weaknesses. What a one of those great college basketball players that doesn't excel in any one particular area. Tweener, undersized for a physical forward, yet lacks the athleticism of a wing. Lacks explosiveness, agility, elusiveness, and quickness off the bounce. Under the rim finisher which is troublesome when you consider his size. Not a threat to shake his defender off the dribble. Minimum upside. Vulnerable. Defending quicker guards on the perimeter. Could stand to drop some weight. That's true about the weight. And he did drop the weight. Uh, and he, what's not true is uh, he does have fine handles. He doesn't have to break anyone down. But um, I think this goes more to your point, again, about like, Let's talk about what players can do besides what they can't. Like, this guy's scattering report is like, oh, this is every reason he can't be a star. And he can't be, like, a shop creator. Not everyone needs to be a shop creator. Like, he should have just been talking about the things he could do. And maybe you would have realized more what kind of player he could become. Yeah, I agree with you. Because then if you go here, let's look at his strengths. And if you look at his strengths, it's like, okay, right? This is Draymond. So here are his strengths. The ultimate glue guy. Green's strongest asset is his ability to contribute across the board. He has substantial wingspan with a strong frame, is unafraid to bang with bigger bodies. Good looking shooter when his feet are set and catches release and rhythm. Can stretch the floor with an NBA three point range. <laughs> okay, that might be a he little used too. To be able to. Yeah. He used to. His vision and passing ability 
and his ability to facilitate an offense out of the post make it difficult for off-ball defenders to keep their eyes on their man. Uh, reliable mid-range jumper. Green is slippery with his back to the basket with the ability to spin baseline and turn across the lane to finish. Terrific rebounder thanks to his combination of aggressive motor, soft hands, and unselfish and timely passing. Overachiever, high basketball IQ, makes those around him better, possesses sense of maturity and leadership qualities. And that's at the end, which I like. So you know what? When you look at the strengths, it's kind of like, right? He hits the nail on the head on the strengths. Yeah. But it's like the strengths, sometimes, sometimes this goes to what I'm saying. I think sometimes we need to look at the strengths more important than the weaknesses. Right. Because right. this guy was focusing too much on the weaknesses, which is why I compared yeah. him to, you know, Heron and Goaty and, and who Jared, was the other guy? Jared Dudley. <laughs> Jared Dudley, yeah. Jared Dudley. Yeah, yeah Jared Dudley, that's kind of crazy. Heron Goaty's even worse. Yeah, Her- uh, Heron Goaty played for the uh, Jazz, didn't he? I, I mean, not the Jazz, the Celtics. Celtics. He played for the Celtics. Yeah, he played for the Celtics. He had a quick cup of coffee in the NBA. He wasn't even in the NBA. Right, exactly. So, next up we have Jordan Poole. So, here is cons. Does not often look to get all the way to the basket. It can be too passive on offense. Not a true point guard, but it's undersized to play the two uh overshadowed by higher profile teammates what do you think of that well he still is kind of shy to uh get to the basket he would much rather take a step back three and try to get to the hole for a layup uh i think his size is fine oh by the way uh he never i don't think anybody would have ever seen Pool developing the step back three that he developed in addition to the range on the three that he developed. But he's definitely right about him like shying away from taking a layup, getting to the rim. So that's all we have for these little scouting reports. Eli, thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Always a pleasure. And once again, I want to thank Eli for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you. For tuning into this episode. The 446th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.